and the completer of our faith. And it, without him, we have nothing. Take Christ out of Christianity, you don't have anything. It's just an empty, meaningless, dead religion. Christ at the very, very center. And this series that God is taking us through, which is called Illusions, is helping us to get our focus and to keep our focus totally on what God says, what he speaks to us. There's a scripture that we are referring to each week. These are on your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul is, of course, writing these words. And as he writes to these, these Christians, these believers, he's talking about the suffering, the persecution that he is experiencing. And for him, it was very real. We sometimes think we're suffering persecution if somebody doesn't want to be our friend because we go to church services. But for Paul, it was a little bit different. But he said, we're not looking at what's happening to our natural bodies. They may be under attack, but God is in control. And he said these words, so we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen, the natural, is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And that is where we believe God is bringing our focus to see into the eternal, to experience what God says, what God is doing, and not to have our attention taken up with the things of this world and especially not the illusions that the enemy would seek to deceive us with. Here is a dictionary definition of what an illusion is. Something that deceives. Right there, we should recognize that this is the work of Satan. Because he is a deceiver. An illusion is something that deceives by producing a false or misleading impression of reality. Of what is true. If you missed last week's service, I highly recommend that you listen to it on podcast. God helped us to expose some, some of the facts about the illusions that the enemy uses. Go back, listen to that, please. Today we're going to be looking at this, understanding that being led by God and not being led by the illusions that the enemy produces for us is a matter of the heart. And, and I'm going to help you as we go through some scriptures to really see how critical this is, how really, really important it is that we understand the role, the function of our heart, that ability that God has given to us to be able to believe even though we cannot see. Your mind can't do that. Well, mine certainly can't. <laughs> My mind says, I've got to see it. And then I know it's true. But my friends, God has given us a heart 
an ability to believe what he says, even when we cannot see it. I'll prove it to you. How many of you who are true Christians, true disciples of Jesus, believe that you are going to go to heaven one day? Let me see your hands. Praise God. Have you ever been there? Some people say they have. I don't disbelieve that. Have you ever been to heaven? How do you know it exists? How do you know it exists? God told you, yeah? You believe him, even though you've never seen it. But you believe it. And that, my friend, is true about everything that God says. Just because we cannot see it doesn't mean we don't have to believe it. If God said it, it's true. If God has spoken it, it is as though it already exists. The Bible says that God calls those things that don't exist yet as if they already do. And this is the beautiful thing about God. When we listen and we hear his voice speaking to our heart, God is not just speaking to us a wish that he has. He doesn't say to you, John, I hope this will happen someday in your life. If, if I get sick, he, he doesn't say to me, I would like you to be healed. I hope you will. It would be a great thing if you did get healed. God gives me his word. And even if my body is still hurting, his word is the reality. His word is the truth. His word cannot fail. If he speaks it, it will surely come to pass. It cannot return to him void or empty. You see, because when God speaks, he speaks from that place of eternity where it is. Not it was or it will be, but he speaks from that place where it is. I hope that translates into Korean, okay? He speaks from that place that it is. Pastor Youngho spoke to us a few weeks ago about, Jesus, about God. I am. I am. He's, he's timeless. You and I, we're governed by time. And I've got to be governed by that clock this morning. We're governed by time. Pastor, please wave at me at, 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 at 10 minutes past 12. <laughs> we're governed by time. God created it. He's not governed by it. So when God speaks, he's not speaking from the past or the future. He's speaking from the is. So if God says, my friend, you're healed, my son, my daughter, you're healed. It isn't just a wish that he has. We say it's his will and it is, but it is his perfect will that in his opinion has already happened. You see, we make promises to one another which we intend to keep, but sometimes we have to break them. God's never like that. God doesn't speak unless it is. Did you hear that? God doesn't speak unless it is. He's told us that Jesus is coming back one day. In his world, it's already happened. It is as if it has already taken place. 
So when you see, this is why it's so important that we listen to God, that we listen to his word concerning us, because there are millions of other voices that seek to influence us and seek to make us become what they want us to be. They want us to to follow illusions instead of following God's word. But when we know that God speaks from it is, we know that everything he says to us is absolutely true. And we can have 100% faith in him. It's a matter of the heart. Let's go into Matthew chapter 6, please. I, I, I want to encourage you, when you take your message notes home, read them. Yeah? Read them and read the scriptures around the verses that are printed. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you would read a beautiful conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. And and I read this part of God's word many times because he's speaking about some really practical things. He's speaking about marriage. Yeah? I want to hear what Jesus says about marriage. He speaks about enemies. Those two subjects are not related, by the way. They're a few verses away. (laughs) But sometimes people, people feel like they're our enemies or we're their enemies. And he tells us how how to respond to that situation. He talks about worry. I guess worry is something we can all get affected by. Yeah? Jesus says, don't worry. <laughs> and I can remember reading that and thinking, yeah, it's okay for you. But if he says it, if he says it, he means it. He talks about judging. And sometimes people can do things to us. And if we're not careful, we can end up judging them. Real practical, everyday things. And right in the middle of that conversation that Jesus has, he starts to talk about treasure. And what he means when he's talking about treasure is not, you know, some wooden chest that's buried in the sand by pirates. Yeah, he's talking about things that we put value on, things that are precious to us. And he says, don't store up treasure on earth. In other words, don't make these natural things of this earth. What's really important to you. Don't put value in them. Don't highly value them. And I'll tell you why Jesus said. Because they'll decay. They're temporary. They're not eternal. And sometimes moths come along. And they eat holes in your garments. And, and if it's made of metal it might rust. He just gave two illustrations. Don't do that he said. He said but rather store treasure in heaven. Look what God is doing in the heavens and put all your value, all all that you hold precious. Let it be the things of God, because those things are eternal. Those things are everlasting. Those things are not affected by the natural elements. Praise God. And then he said these words for where your treasure is. There, your heart will be also. 
Now look, notice, he didn't say it the other way around. He didn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, whatever you put value in, whatever is important to you, whatever is precious to you, whatever you make most important in your life, your treasure, listen, that is where your heart is. Just let that sink in. And in advance of this, he says, the things of this earth are temporary. You see, it's a matter of the heart. Because what we place our treasure in, what we follow, what we desire, what we hold as valuable and precious to us, that is where your heart is. That's where your heart is. And my friends, I have found that when my heart is drawn to the things of this earth because that's what's precious to me, I, I have discovered that is one time when I am very vulnerable to being deceived by illusions. Because we tend to follow our heart. Don't we? People have often said to me, oh, I've fallen in love with this person. Almost like it's an accident. You know, I couldn't help it. I just fell in love with them. Yeah, they captured your heart. And you're now living under the illusion that you don't really have a choice. Because they've captured your heart. Young guys, be really careful. Be very sensitive. Be very loving towards single girls. Don't go after their heart like that. Girls, don't be naive and silly and just give your heart to the first guy that comes along. Don't do it. First of all, let your heart be set on God and let him be the one that shows you who he purposes to be your spouse. Where our treasure is, what we value, what we hold most precious, that right there is where our heart is. And we tend to follow our heart. And the enemy knows that. The enemy knows that. I think that's why Jesus talks a lot about things like money, relationships. Because if our treasure is in those things, the enemy knows it's real simple to get our heart to throw some bait out and pull us in. You understand? But my friends, here's the beautiful thing. When our treasure are the things of God, the things of heaven, the things of the eternal. When our treasure is found in God's word and our delight is in him. And the enemy's got a much harder job because God has our heart. God has our heart. Here's a question. Where? Is your treasure. Where is it? Because wherever that is. That's where your heart is. Going to answer or ask three more questions this morning. Second one is this. Who do you trust in? You see when. When our treasure or wherever our treasure is. It determines so much about us. 
And if we are looking to anything of this world, anything of this natural world, if we hold those things dear and precious and we value them above the things of God, then the things that we put our trust in will also be the natural things of this earth. Why is that, Pastor? It's very simple. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't do it. It's not possible. You can only serve one. And we're either serving the master, Jesus, and he is our Lord, and the things pertaining to him are what is precious to us, and we're living our lives following him as true disciples of Jesus. And when he speaks, we follow. When he leads, we go. When he asks us to do certain things, we say, yes, Lord. Because that's where our treasure is and we trust in him. Or we're following the treasures of this world. We're following things that in themselves are not sinful. Things like Careers, things like family, things like possessions, things like success. In themselves, they're they're not desperately evil. But when they become our treasure, they also have our heart and we trust in them. This is what the book of Proverbs says in chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Lean on, trust in. And be confident in the Lord with what? All your heart and mind. And don't rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, not the majority of them, not the majority of your heart, all your heart, all your ways, in everything that you do. In all your ways, know and recognize and acknowledge him. Then he will direct and make straight and make plain your path. Sometimes people say to me, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And I say, have you asked him? Of course I've asked him. What was the last thing that he said to you? Oh, well, I don't really want to talk about that. Why is that? Well, I haven't been completely obedient to him. I've been trusting in myself. Yeah? And God doesn't get angry and upset with us. He just waits until we come back and say, Papa, sorry. Sorry that I didn't listen to you. Sorry that I trusted, I leaned on, I depended on the things that I can do. My own wisdom. My, my own abilities. My own thoughts. Do you remember on Easter Sunday, we, talked to, we had some pictures on screen uh, where we were looking through the microscope. Yeah, has anybody stopped washing their eyelashes since then? <laughs> yeah, we, we sometimes, you know, we, that's all we see is the tiny little bit around our life. And we see that because we're trying to interpret what God is saying to us through our own feelings or our own thoughts 
or our own ideas. And those are not necessarily heavenly. They're usually of this earth. They're natural. And the Lord says, trust in me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, sometimes today we're afraid of putting all our eggs into one basket. You understand that, that saying? We don't like to commit ourselves fully all in one place because we need an insurance policy. We need a get out clause. But you know, when you come to Christ and we give our lives to him, there is no get out clause. There is no insurance policy. God doesn't ask for some of our life, part of it, most of it, the majority of it. He actually just asks for all of it. All of it. And he takes away our old sinful nature and he gives us a brand new spirit, a brand new nature. My friends, this is my way of thinking. If I can trust Jesus to save me, and surely I can trust him with everything. I can't see heaven. I've never been there. I can't, I've got no certificate from heaven that says I'm born again. I don't have a piece of paper that arrived in my mailbox to say, John, now you're a Christian. Here's the proof. Present this at the door when you die and I'll let you in. I don't have any of that. But I know God has saved me. I know that the spirit of Christ lives within me. I know his power dwells within me for his glory. I know those things. And therefore, I trust in him. And I believe that as we trust in him, he will never, ever let us down. But when we trust in the things of this earth, they're passing away. They fail. They break. They lose their value. But the things of God never will. Question number three. What do you depend on? I want to read you these verses from Psalm 73. If you get time, please read the whole psalm. It is a beautiful psalm. David is one of the most honest people that you'll ever come across. And some of the psalms are so good for us to read because sometimes we feel we can't be real with God. Yeah? Sometimes we think God wants to hear us say certain things. We're not allowed to complain, mustn't complain to God. How many of you have been told that? Never complain to God. Yeah? Most kids get raised thinking that. Well, David complained a whole lot to God. Yeah? And it's in that opening of his heart that he's then able to hear God speak back to him. And here in Psalm 73, David's having a moan. He's having a complaint. He says, listen, verse 1, Truly God is good to Israel to such are as pure in heart. Yeah? But as for me, he's just being real honest, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps nearly slipped because I was envious. Do you ever feel envy? David says, I was envious of those who were boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Read on. And he expands on that. He's saying, I know God is good to Israel and those who are pure of heart know that. But God, I'm jealous of these heathen, wicked people. They don't love you. 
They boast about it. And yet they're so prosperous. He goes on to say they're healthy. They don't have to fight for their health. And I do. Nobody's chasing them. They don't have enemies. I do. What's going on, God? Can you see how that his eyes had got drawn to the things of this earth? Real things. Man, he had some real enemies. Some of us feel we we have a hard deal with people who hate us sometimes. I've never had anybody throw a spear at me yet. I haven't had a king hunt me down to kill me. I haven't had armies chasing me yet. David had all these things. He knew what it was like to, to, to be on the wrong end of someone with anger and jealousy and bitterness out to get him. And he started to look at these things. He looked at those who were prospering around him and they weren't godly. They didn't, you know, we might say today, they weren't bringing their tithes and offerings to God. They were just living for themselves, boasting about it. And his eyes are getting drawn. And he says, I was feeling so envious, so jealous that my feet almost slipped. Don't, don't put your arms up. Ever been there? You're thinking, how come they get it all? How come I get the tough deal? Why does it happen to me and not them? Yeah? You know, maybe your, maybe your car has broken down and your neighbor turns up in a brand new Mercedes. Yeah? You can get a little bit envious. You can say, God, I'm your child. He doesn't even like you. He hates you. He's an atheist. How come he's got all these nice things? Or you, can't, you lose your job and you can't pay your rent and you have to lo- move house from your really nice apartment to a not-so-nice apartment. And the person that you used to work with has been promoted. And now they move to a bigger apartment. Or you want to send your kids to a certain school, a fee-paying school, but you can't because you don't have the finances. But your greatest enemy has the money and does send them. And your kids don't get the same education and you think they're not going to get to the same college. Yeah? You can start to look at these things like David did. And that's when the illusions become so real. And we start to think, I'm not sure if God cares about me. Why is he not blessing me? Why am I having to fight? I'm constantly believing God to heal me. My neighbors who don't love God, they don't. They're... They're the picture of health. Why does that happen? God, is, do you really mean what you say when you say you watch over me? When you say, you know, look at the sparrows. Look at the lilies in the field. Don't you think God cares for them and, and you care for me more? But God, it doesn't seem like it. And our eyes get drawn to the natural. And we judge the eternal by what's happening in the natural. That is the definition of a successful illusion. When we judge the eternal by what's happening in the natural. And we feel like we're slipping. We feel like God is not enough. We feel like he's not who he says he is. 
And instead of turning towards him and and seeking for him, like David did in Psalm 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I called on his name and he heard me and he delivered me and he rescued me from the pit and he established my feet on a rock and he put a song of praise in my mouth. Instead of doing that, we focus on the natural. And we judge the eternal by the natural. And David says, I almost slipped. I almost slipped. Read on and you'll find what happened. He says, it wasn't until I entered into the presence of God. Or the sanctuary of the Lord, my Bible says. The presence of God. Then I saw things as they really are. What did he see? He actually saw a very, a very sad picture. He saw the end of the life of these wicked people who were prospering and boasting and healthy. And it didn't have God. God opened his eyes to see the eternal. And once we've seen the eternal and it's taken root in our heart, the illusions, doesn't matter how big they are. You know, you, you can be on a bicycle. And your neighbor's got a, a, a BMW 7 Series. Doesn't matter. You just say, God bless them. Praise God, they got a nice car. Jealousy doesn't, doesn't rise up. Envy doesn't rise up. You don't start to talk to God and say, God, where's my nice car? Uh-huh. Some of you are, are, are laughing then out of relief because you're thinking, am I the only one who talked to God like that? Where's my nice car? Why do I get sick? Brilliant conversations to have with God, but let him speak to you and let him do what he did for David. Let him show you the eternal. Let him show you what's real. Let him take you back to him so that you can see him and his word and to see what is real instead of being caught up with the the facts of this life which the enemy wants to use as an illusion. Remember what an illusion is? It's where he produces something that appears to change what is real, but it's, it's not real. So who do you depend on? In Psalm 73, verse 25, verse and 6, this is what David said as he processed this with the Lord. Whom have I have in, do I have in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health might fail. My spirit, true translation of that is soul. My soul might grow weak. But listen, God remains the strength of my heart. He's mine forever. That's a beautiful place to live, my friends. And it's a place where God has prepared for every one of his children to live. So, everybody, so all of God's children are going to be poor and sick? <laughs> no. That's the, another illusion of the enemy. No. That's not it. But our faith, our dependency, our trust is not in the natural. Because it's gone. In a moment. Talk to people who invest heavily in stocks and shares. One year they're laughing, taking wonderful holidays, buying new 
houses and cars the next year, it's all gone. It's all gone. This world has nothing of any value to offer at all. Nothing. Nothing's worth chasing, pursuing, desiring, following. Nothing. But David says, you're more than anything. I desire you more than anything that's on this earth. Our last question. Who do you surrender to? We're going to surrender to somebody. I guess for the English teachers here, really I should be asking the question like this. To whom do you surrender? Please forgive me. English is not my strong subject. Who do you surrender to? You're going to give your life to something or someone. That's just how it is. Something is going to consume you. For some people, that something or someone is I, me, self. We're self-centered. We're self-centered, selfish. Everything is about self. For other people, it can be, it can be things like possessions. It can be like a career or education or finances, belongings. Success, friendships, all of those things. We're going to give ourselves. The Bible says, Jesus said, where your treasure is, what's most value to you, that's, that's where you'll give yourself. That, that's what will own you. That's, that's what you will give your life to. Or we can surrender to God. We can stop fighting him and we can let him have absolutely everything. David says at the end of Psalm 139, another beautiful psalm for you to read. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns or my anxieties. Know those things that I'm worried about. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way on your notes right beside offensive write this word idle not i-d-l-e i-d-o-l idle that word offensive means idolatrous see if there is any idolatrous way within me look into my heart lord god See if I have made an idol of anything. Then please lead me in the everlasting way. Anything that we make our treasure except for God is actually an idol. And some of you may have previously been Buddhists or from the Hindu false religion or, or, or some other. And, and you may have worshipped other gods and you may be very very thankful that you're away from that and I'm sure you are because that will only lead you to hell praise God you've found Jesus but let's also be very conscious that we don't at the same time have things in our hearts that have become idols 
something that we put in between me and him. Something that I look to that has a treasure, a value to me greater than God and his word. Let's take this as a beautiful prayer and let's pray it ourselves. Let's know that as we do this, as we let God search our hearts, know our hearts and know what we're concerned and worried about. He will show us lovingly, graciously. He will show us. And if we'll let him, he'll lead us away from those idols and he'll lead us into the way, the only way of everlasting life. As we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and don't lean on our own understanding. I want to go back to question number one because I feel this was so key. Where's our treasure? Where's our treasure? It's where our treasure is. That's where our heart is. Let's pray.